It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study for thursday january 10th i got it right Uh, welcome to the program thank you for joining us tonight we hope you'll stay tuned. We hope you'll comment on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study the, Thursday night, our regular Thursday night appointment. It is good to be with you, and it is good to have you on the other end of the line tonight, and we want you to be a part of the program at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Those are the two ways you participate. Those are the two ways you contribute. Those are the two ways that everyone can benefit from your comments tonight. So we hope you'll join in on the discussion. As we talk about an important subject, Dad, a subject that's not very common in the religious world today, that is that there are absolute standards of right and wrong. We want to talk about absolute truth tonight, ask if it exists, and ask how we can find that absolute truth. That's right. That's the question we want to discuss tonight, the, the subject of truth, and is there such a thing as absolute truth when, it, when we speak of religious and moral matters we sent out a couple of questions earlier today, Jacob, to our update list. Question one was, what is the strongest argument that you can make for or against the idea of absolute truth in the moral, spiritual, and religious sense? In other words, some people don't believe there is any. If you don't think there is any, what's your argument? If you think there is absolute truth, how would you argue that? So that was our first question. What's the strongest argument you can make for or against the idea of absolute truth in the moral, spiritual, and religious sense? Then the, there's, the second question was one that was actually suggested to us by our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, who's a regular listener to the virtual Bible study. And I slightly reworded his question, but the gist of it is this. Is it possible for the truth about moral issues to change from one generation to the next? For example, women showing an ankle used to be considered wrong, but now even conservative Christians think it is okay. The same could be said for playing billiards or cards. How do you explain these changes, and is such change proper? If it was wrong before, should it still be wrong now? Do moral standards change over time from generation to generation? So our question is basically, is there absolute truth? And then how do we account for the fact that the things that people, some things that people used to think were wrong, we don't think they're wrong anymore. And so that's the kind of thing that we want to get into tonight in the virtual Bible. Study. So let us know your thoughts on those two questions at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You know, Dad, we hear that in the religious world all over the place, people saying that standards and things have changed. From the most radical, perhaps those in the homosexual movement say homosexuality was wrong in the first century, but not today. We know more things now. We, we understand have, it. We're enlightened now, and so it's okay now. It wasn't okay in the first century. It's okay now. That's the extreme of it, but uh, you hear it in a lot of more subtle uh, areas as well. Actually, that's right. I mean, it, it the, the homosexual movement, for instance, would be considered way out there, but there's a lot of more... Uh, I guess, socially acceptable people arguing that position, too. In fact, some of you who were tuned in before our program officially started might have heard us uh, playing some clips from the Mitt Romney speech that he made a few weeks ago about his Mormon faith. And here's a guy who's uh, a conservative religious fellow by his own estimation. He gave this speech on his religious uh, convictions and in it, you can see this idea that there's not really any absolute. Everybody can go about this the way they want to. Jacob, you might play that clip that we discussed. He has reason to want to sort of hedge and compromise. He doesn't want to be very rigid on what he deems right or wrong. He wants to sort of be all-inclusive. And unfortunately, that's the stand of many in the religious world today. Uh, so it is interesting. Uh, we've talked about this cl- this uh, speech before, but it just keeps uh, it really highlights the uh, relativism that people in our society hold to. Uh, so let's listen to a couple of his clips. No candidate 
should become the spokesman for his faith. For if he becomes president, he will need the prayers of the people of all faiths. All right, that clip there basically, he basically acknowledges that uh, he would like prayers of all faiths. So that you, how far do you want to take that? Well, you'd have to assume that that means that he believes that all pe- people of all faiths have the privilege and the uh, to pray to God, and that they're capable of of praying to God and getting answers to prayers to God. So that would that that seemed probably to a lot of people to be a pretty standard kind of a statement. But if you read behind behind the lines, you see that he's actually espousing the idea that people of all faiths are acceptable to God. They can all pray to God. They can get their answers from God. All right, that's a pretty telling uh, clip, but this one's even more telling. Listen to this. I believe that every faith I've encountered draws its adherence closer to God. And in every faith I've come to know, there are features I wish were in my own. I love the profound ceremony of the Catholic Mass, the approachability of God in the prayers of the evangelicals the tenderness of spirit among the Pentecostals, the confident independence of the Lutherans, the ancient traditions of the Jews unchanged through the ages, and the commitment to frequent prayer of the Muslims. As I travel across the country and see our towns and cities, I'm always moved by the many houses of worship with their steeples all pointing to heaven, reminding us of the source of life's blessings. There you go again. Uh Basically, he says he likes the Jews and the Muslims. They're all okay, basically. In fact, there's some things about their religion he wishes was in, were in his own religion. Uh, and all of the houses of worship, they all have their steeples. They're all pointing to heaven. Basically, it's the idea that's been around for a long time. There's a lot of different ways to heaven. You choose which one you want. One is as good as another. Now, Mr. Romney is committed to his Mormon faith. But in his speech there, and of course there's some political motivation to his speech, but he's suggesting the idea that you can get to heaven following a lot of different routes. And that would necessarily imply that he, like most other people, believe that there's not any moral absolutes, religious, spiritual absolutes. He doesn't accept that. All right. Let us know your thoughts about uh, the idea of absolute truth and the fact that there is a right way and everything else is wrong. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Dad, if you make that statement, there is a right way and every other way is wrong, boy, you could really be ridiculed in the society we live in today. Yeah, that's right. In fact, that that's not a politically correct thing to say, that, that there are religious people who are wrong. Most people don't want to hear that. They're not comfortable with that. Uh, but that's what I think we've got to come to if we're going to take the Bible at its uh, at its word and accept uh, what the Scriptures tell us. And that's what we're going to study tonight. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, you mentioned two ways you can get to us. One way is that phone number, 877-381-4567. The second way is by email, questions at collegeview.com. Remember, collegeview is spelled C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E.com, collegeview.com. We actually have a third way, Jacob. We finally have up on our website, uh, uh, and we think it's working properly, there's a button on the page that you got to, and then you, you... clicked on to listen to the program on that page you might have noticed a new little orange button on the right hand side and it's identified as my chingo my chingo is a service that we've contracted that will allow you if you click on that button it will take you to where you can leave an audio message for us that's up 24 7 so you can leave us an audio message at any time if you have an idea for a program if you'd like to comment about the ongoing program if you have a question you'd like to ask If you have a response, uh, some kind of a comment that you'd like to make about the virtual Bible study, if you're a regular listener and you'd like to tell us about it, click on that button. It'll take you to a page where you can, all you have to do is plug your microphone into your computer and leave us an audio message that we can use on the virtual Bible study. You know, you talked about the fact that people go to that page to listen to the broadcast. They do if they listen live, but a lot of people are listening in the podcast, and some people may have never been to our website. Their podcast receiver goes out and gathers the the, uh, podcast for them automatically. If you've not been to our website, check it out at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and you'll see that uh, button there where you can leave an audio comment. I'm sure there are a lot of people who've listened to the podcast, Dad, and said, boy, I wish I could call in on that subject, but it was 
and recording as they're listening on their MP3 player. Now you can call in when you're listening to a recorded program. You can call in using that button on our website, leave your comments, and we can play them at the next uh, program, and we can uh, talk about your comments then. So be sure to check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you like the Virtual Bible Study and you'd like to tell about it, leave us a message. Give your name and your location and Tell us what you think about the Virtual Bible Study. All right. Be sure to check that out on our website. And you can comment now on the program live at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Are we wrong when we say that there is one right way, that there is absolute truth, and that other ways are not truth and should not be followed? Let us know what you think. A lot of people in the world today say there are no absolute standards of right and wrong. The, the secular people of the world today say there's no absolute standard. You know, we'd almost expect it from the secularists of the world that they, you know, they well, would They've say, got an agenda. Yeah, they they want it to be that way. But what's really disturbing is that the religious people of the world have bought into that. And and now the the sort of the byword in religion is I'm okay, you're okay. You tolerance. Know? Tolerance. You 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 go about your religion the way you want to and I'll go about mine the way I want to and we won't say anything about each other. It's not right to to offer any criticisms about anybody else's religion. You're free to do as you want to do, and you just let me be free to do what I want to do. We'll do our own thing in religion, and it's okay. God's actually very happy with that. He doesn't care. That's the general idea in the religious world today. You, know, you sound like a hick if you, say, if you say anything other than that. You're not enlightened. Yeah, and, and this movement goes back a number of decades ago. Uh, uh, many can remember uh, several decades ago when the popular slogan there was an advertising campaign, attend the church of your choice, you know, and, and that really caught hold and people really bought into that kind of a mentality religiously. And it is bottom line, the argument that you can't say anything is absolutely right or wrong. And so let's, let's talk about that. Is there absolute truth? Well, there is absolute truth that people admit in every other area of life. For instance, in the area of mathematics, uh, there is no such thing as relative truth in mathematics. It is what it is. Two plus two is four. Anytime you, uh, you add it up and anyone you ask should say that two plus two equals four. And if someone were to say, well, two plus two could be three, two plus two could be five. You've got to be enlightened to understand that. But the, the smart and the intelligent people know that two plus two is not equal to four. Well, that would the, be ridiculous. Well, that would bring our economy and our uh, really uh, our entire way of life would come crashing down if someone suddenly said on that simple question, I can't be sure that the answer to the math question two plus two is four. I can't. I mean, it, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, and I just can never be sure. If if we couldn't be sure about that, we couldn't we couldn't conduct business and we couldn't live the way we do now, we've got to have agreement about the absolute truths of such simple mathematical things as that. The laws of our society are absolutes. So you, you can't say, well, I didn't pay the correct percentage on my income tax. I thought it would be okay to pay a little bit less than that. I don't think anybody would pay a little bit more. But uh, we can't say, well, we thought that the income tax law was relative. That'll get you in prison as fast as anything else. Yeah. Um, and when you ask your children, did you clean your room, there's a absolute answer that you want there you want yes or no you don't want uh just some relative answer so in a lot of what you're saying there jacob is that in a lot of the affairs of day-to-day living we we demand and expect absolute answers yes or no right or wrong and and so what we're saying is if it is so in many different aspects of our daily lives can we not also in religion say there is something that is absolutely right, something that is not right? And can we identify it and and uh, can we be sure? So, What do you think about absolute truth? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I believe that every faith I've encountered draws its adherence closer to God. And in every faith I've come to know, there are features I wish were in my own. I love the profound ceremony of the Catholic Mass, the approachability of God in the prayers of the evangelicals, the tenderness of spirit among the Pentecostals, the confident independence of the Lutherans, the ancient traditions of the Jews unchanged through the ages, and the commitment to frequent prayer of the Muslims. As I travel across the country and see our towns and cities, I'm always moved by the many houses of worship with their steeples all pointing to heaven, reminding us of the source of life's blessings. 
Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the program tonight. Again, we're looking for you to participate in the program tonight. A simple question we're asking on the program, is there such a thing as absolute truth? Does that absolute truth change over time? Is it possible that things that were wrong when we were growing up are now okay? Is it possible that uh, the standards of morality that we grew up with have shifted and changed? Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, let's start out by looking at some Bible verses that just pretty make it pretty clear, I think, from, from the Bible as to whether there is an absolute right or wrong or not. For instance, uh, in the book of Jude, the third verse uh, Jude wrote, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's the King James rendering. The New American Standard Version says that was once for all delivered unto the saints. And so there was the faith, and it was once for all delivered to the saints. That doesn't leave a lot of room for variation. Once for all, uh, the faith, uh, those are all exclusive terms. And if you were to use that kind of terminology around, around many of the religious world today, they would say you're being divisive, you're closed-minded. Well, notice that he even says that you should earnestly contend for this faith. A lot of people say, don't, don't, be, don't be arguing for your, your faith. Don't be trying to persuade other people that you're right and they're wrong. But here Jude says, earnestly contend, which suggests the idea of even, you know, uh, Dealing in in a sense of controversy, you know, uh, if you're different from this, then I need to tell you about that. Uh, the, the Jude is not saying there you should uh, appreciate and admire the ancient tradition of the Jews, the commitment to prayer of the Muslims. Jude yeah. says you need to earnestly contend for the faith. Jude is telling us there's a right way and there's a wrong way, and if uh, you're not uh, following that absolute truth, then you are not pleasing to God. He said you need to earnestly contend for it. Uh, look at this uh, passage again. Uh, if Paul were to write this in our day and age, notice what he would have, uh, how people would have responded. In Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Boy, what a closed-minded, backwoods hick Paul must have been to think that there's one uh, way of all these things he'd been mentioning. You know, this is a place where we get a lot of people uh, kind of stirred up when we point out that he said there is one body. He identified one body there among seven things of which he said there was one, including one Lord and one God and Father. He also said there's one body. In the same epistle, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. If if there's one body and the church is the body, then there's one church. There's just one true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's not a very popular uh, sort of statement to make, but it's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. And so you get the idea from that. That the Apostle Paul believed in some things that are absolute. There is something right, and everything else is wrong. Let us know, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Are we wrong when we say there are exclusives, absolutes, 
in the religious world today. Well, let's go on. There are many passages we can look at. Uh, you know, a lot of people might think that uh, you'd have to really search to find any passages in the New Testament that claimed absolute truth and that uh, claimed that there are no relatives or there are uh, no variations of truth. But in fact, it is just the opposite. Many passages tell us that there is absolute truth. Second John 1, verses 9 through 11. Second uh, John, verses 9 through 11. Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Boy, there's another strong passage that says if someone's not teaching that absolute truth, don't have anything to do with them. Hey, uh, notice he said if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you do not have God. Wow. Like you said, Jacob, a lot of people would be pretty upset about that. If you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. Well, that would exclude the Jews then, wouldn't it? That would also exclude the the Muslims. You know, well, I think it actually would exclude a number of people who call themselves Christians because they're not abiding in the true doctrine of Christ. But just think about the, the huge percentages of the world's population that will be excluded if we say that those who are not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, notice it's the doctrine of Christ, that's singular, but if you're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. This is this is a follow-up to the statement that Jesus made in John chapter 8, verse 24. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. you got to believe in Jesus Christ. The Jews don't believe in Jesus Christ. The Muslims don't believe in Jesus Christ. The Buddhists don't believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, right on down the line. And that being the case, then, you know, we can't say, well, they're okay, though. I mean, that that is a faith. That's a kind of religious faith that draws one nearer to God. Isn't that what Mitt Romney said? Every faith I've encountered draws its adherence closer to God? No, that's not right. Those, those uh, faiths that do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God can't be something that draws people closer to God. They're not any closer to God. They may be deceived into thinking that there's something uh, going on there, but it's not. And the scriptures clearly tell us so. That's absolute. That's just that's just bottom line, absolute truth. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you do not have God. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to die in your sins. Amazing. And yet so many people who would claim to be Christian in our society today, how many times have we heard politicians and those in the news talk about the, the Muslim religion being a peaceful religion that is respected and people respect the Muslim religion? Why would we respect it when uh, Jesus and God say that it is wrong and uh, that they will go to hell by believing and practicing that? Now, that's an extreme. Hopefully, all of our listeners tonight would agree that uh, those in the Muslim religion are not acceptable to God. But let's get a little bit closer. What about um, what about the Mormons, Dad? Mitt Romney says he believes in Jesus Christ. What about him? Is he acceptable? I mean, at some point, you got to draw a line. Where do you draw that line? Well, I, I would have to argue that Mitt Romney himself couldn't be acceptable based upon the statement of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, in Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse 8, Paul said, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. You know, we, when we were talking about this uh, Mormon religion, about Romney's Mormon religion a few weeks ago on the virtual Bible study, we pointed out that the Mormons actually believe that an angel uh, revealed uh, to Joseph Smith the location of golden plates and helped him translate them into the Book of Mormon. That sounds an awful lot like what Paul said, if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. That, that's absolute. What Paul says is there is no other gospel. Therefore, the Mormon faith is not acceptable. That's absolute, and we have to believe it. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. The list of verses goes on and on, Dad. Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 2, Paul says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, reprove, reprove rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables you think it might be a fable that uh, there are many ways to heaven and that uh, i'm okay you're okay you think that might be some of that truth that teaching 
that itching ears have turned themselves to because they did not want to endure sound doctrine? Yeah, and notice we're to preach the word. It's singular again. The message is singular. It's absolute. And we're, and there are those who are going to turn away people's ears from the truth and turn them unto fables. That's what Paul said there, Second Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. It seems very clear, and we have to accept that that is, in fact, the case. All uh, right. Go ahead. All right, let's go on and look another. Look at what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1, 16 through 20. Second Peter 1, beginning of verse 16, For we have not devi- uh, followed cunningly devised fables, when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of, of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When he came such when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed, as a light shineth that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Again, very absolute, very strict there, Dad, on the fact that this is not something that was made up, that this is an absolute, and you better be following it. Yeah, uh, and uh, keep keep on going here, Jacob. Some people are going to say, well, all right, uh, God has absolute truth, but it's so hard to understand and so difficult that we just have to leave room for varied interpretations. Well, that passage said there is no private interpretation of Scripture. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verse 17, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're commanded to understand. It's not that it's so difficult to understand. We're commanded to understand what the will of the Lord is. He didn't command us to do something that we're incapable of doing. He didn't write a book and deliver a message that was so confusing and so difficult that we can't uh, understand it. This idea that we have to allow uh, room for differences of opinion and interpretation is contrary to the scriptures. And actually, is it reflects upon God and his ability to make known to us his will in an understandable fashion. We are commanded to understand what the will of the Lord is, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Do you agree with us? Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, tells us, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There are people who are trying to pull us away from Christ. Well, but by, if there's not any absolute truth, then how, how, how could that be said? Well, exactly. It couldn't be said. Uh, if there's no absolute truth, then we can't, there, there's no danger that anybody would pull us away or spoil us through philosophy and vain deceit well because philosophy there maybe there's some good things about philosophy maybe there's some good things about the vain deceit that we could appreciate admire and wish were in our religion certainly the, you're you're uh, facetiously quoting Mitt Romney yeah, well again. I mean but uh, there's some would say that so we'd like to hear from you what do you think do you think we're wrong if we're wrong and uh, there is not absolute truth if there are relatives that uh, we need to be accepting and tolerant of We want to hear from you on the program tonight. We'll take another break, and we'll be waiting to hear from you on the other side. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of You Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. 
Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We want your comments on the program tonight. We think our telephone number is 877-381-4567. Maybe you could... Find some other way to get in touch with us. Maybe any number you dial would reach us tonight. Maybe that. What are you be... saying? There's no absolute phone number? I don't know. We'll give it a try. Let us know what you find out. 877-381-4567 will get you to us, though. And we know that for sure. That's right. And you better, you, if you want to talk to us, you need to dial that number or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com as we talk about absolute truth. Tonight. Jacob, we've been looking at a number of verses of scriptures that teach the idea of absolute truth, and probably we should definitely take some very direct statements of jesus in this regard jesus was clear on this he said sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth john seventeen seventeen. truth singular thy word is truth jesus said there are people who claim to follow jesus though who do not even agree with that Mitt right. romney does not necessarily believe that well, he doesn't believe that he believes the book of mormon he doesn't believe the bible is uh the truth that god's word is truth uh the people who say that uh, muslims are okay do well, not believe well they would they would be differing with the, this statement of jesus john 14 verse 6 i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me the muslims say you can get to the father without jesus and jesus, people who claim to follow jesus say they are right Je- jesus said I am the way, the truth, singular, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We cannot, we cannot accept this relativism which says, well, the Jews can approach God without Jesus. The Muslims can approach God without Jesus. It just is, is to say so is to deny the, the absolute words of Jesus himself. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. Does Jesus believe in absolute truth? We're going to say Jesus believes in absolute truth. His statements are very clear on that. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Very clear there. It doesn't say you shall know a truth. There are many truths. Find one, and they'll make you free. No. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what do you know? What do you think about Absolute Truth? Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. And we want to talk with you about Absolute Truth. Now, let's get on to a more... Well, let's, before we do that, let's, let's, let's illustrate this a minute, Jacob. For instance, what about a question that is out there in, in the political world on the, uh, for instance, the question of abortion? You know, could it be that we could sort of, you know, relax the standards on the question of abortion because, you know, society has changed. Uh, uh, a generation ago, everybody, almost everybody at least, would have agreed abortion is just absolutely wrong. Now, maybe it's not so wrong. Does does the moral standard on something like that change? We talked earlier about homosexuality. A generation ago, you would have, you would have been hard pressed to find someone who would have tried to argue that a homosexual practicing his homosexuality is okay with God. Now there are plenty of people, plenty of religious people, even. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, Jacob, we interviewed a, a fellow from a church in Texas, an Episcopal minister in Texas, whose church had pulled out of the Episcopal denomination over the subject of of uh, homosexuality. The the official Episcopal church is now saying homosexuality is okay. I just heard in the news this week that a church here in Tennessee, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, had also pulled out of the Episcopal denomination because that whole denomination has taken the official stance that now homosexuality is okay. A generation ago, it would have been wrong. What are we, do these moral truths change? Well, we don't think so. The Bible doesn't indicate it does, but there are people out there who are saying it does change. But here's the here's where a lot of people can contradict themselves. If people like those who have left the Episcopal Church say the Bible does not change when it comes to homosexuality, if that is the case and that homosexuality is wrong throughout the ages because God said it was wrong in his word and it stays that way throughout time, then every other moral issue stays the same. And I wonder how many people in those churches that have pulled out of the Episcopal Church are willing to accept all of that pill that they're, they're, they're preaching? Are they willing to accept that on every area of their life? 
It, that's that's uh, that's what we tried to press the fellow from Texas about. We never did get a satisfactory answer, but we tried to press him on the fact that if you if you can if you can and should and rightfully did take a stand on the subject of homosexuality, why would you not also take that stand on women w- preachers. women preachers and mm-hmm. so and, forth? And he said we have to look at our society for that answer. Yeah, so he he wasn't consistent. Got a couple of emails we want to get to real quick here. Jim in Somerset, Kentucky, has written in an answer to our question. Uh, what would you use as your strongest argument to prove that there is absolute truth? We're glad, Jim, uh, participating in the virtual Bible study tonight. Here's what he said. The answer to the question, the answer to whether or not objective moral values and truth exist is determined by whether or not a person believes in God. If a person does not believe in God, there's no reason to believe that objective moral religious values exist. In fact, if God did not exist, then objective moral values would most certainly not exist. How could they? Where would we get them? These questions have never been answered by the world's leading philosophers. However, since we are working with the assumption that God does exist, does in fact exist, it is perfectly logical to infer that objective moral truths and values do exist. Does it not make sense that God would not only create the universe, but would create it in a way he thought was best? If our logic has any value at all, this must be true. If he created this universe in the way he thought was best, or to quote God himself in Genesis 1 verse 2, it is good, then that necessarily means that good exists. In other words, some things have inherent, that is, a natural value of goodness or uh, or conversely badness or evil. If that is true of the world, then it is also true of all things in the world, including religion and morals. We live in a world that is either one, here by accident, some collision of celestial bodies, which gave birth to our planet and our race, and by default we have no objective value of truth, or God created all things in accordance with his good divine nature and has revealed himself to us in such a way as to provide an explanation for all things, including objective moral truth. Obviously, the latter is the correct answer. It is the only one that makes any logical or philosophical sense, and it is the only one that gives this life any meaning. Those who would choose the first option, that we're just here by chance, are intellectually dishonest at best, and those who fail to choose are just putting off the inevitable because all roads lead to the judgment, and the choice we make will have eternal consequences. That's the truth. So I agree with Jim. I think he's made a good argument there. And he says, really, absolute truth is... is tied necessarily tied to an acknowledgement that there is a god if you believe there's a god in heaven then you have to also accept that there is an absolute truth well that's why so many people don't want to believe there is a god because they understand the consequences of that if they believe there is a god then they have to believe that his word is truth there is someone that they have to uh, give an account to and they don't want to admit that Unfortunately, there are many people who want to believe in God, who but don't want to admit the fact that uh, they need to follow what God has said. Um, and so they are just like the atheist, in effect, because they are denying that God has given absolute standards for right and wrong in the world. Exactly right. So we appreciate Jim and Somerset for sending us that email. Thanks for participating Thank tonight. Thank you, Jim. Uh, we've also got an email from Jason in Pennsylvania who writes... What's your best argument for or against the idea of absolute truth? He says you can't logically argue against the existence of absolute truth. To argue against something is to establish that a truth exists. You cannot argue against absolute truth unless an absolute truth is the basis of your argument. That's interesting. He says those who would insist that there are no absolutes actually do believe in an absolute. They are absolutely sure that there's nothing absolute. Such a philosophy is self-defeating and self-contradictory. Their statement of belief is in itself evidence against their belief. Logically, absolute truth is necessarily necessary. There is an absolute truth in different areas of life. While studying math in school, it is an absolute truth that 2 plus 2 equals 4. If absolute truth does not exist, then 2 plus 2 does not always equal 4. If truth is not absolute, then what would be the purpose of learning anything? How would we ever know if what we're being taught is true? Everyone that believes that truth is not absolute is searching for answers, but their own belief tells us that they will never come to the truth. What it comes down to is that those who believe that there's not an absolute truth want to find a way to be absolutely unaccountable for their actions and to be able to do anything they want. And I think he's right on that. That's that's the people who are denying truth are looking for some justification uh, that will allow them to do as they please. Exactly right. It sort of soothes the conscience if you think, well, there is no absolute. I can do what seems best to me. 
I'll make up my own decisions on that. There is no absolute standard. It is very soothing to the conscience to believe that. Perhaps that's why so many in our society do believe it. Uh, but uh, it is very clear from the verses that we've looked at tonight and the arguments that Jason and Jim have made for us that absolute truth does exist. We want to hear from you, though. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you've got another argument that you'd like to make, either for or against the idea of absolute truth. We've been pretty, we've been pretty definite in our uh, conclusion, pretty definite in our statements. But if you differ with us, by all means, send us an email or give us a phone call. Or if you agree, and if you've got another way to, to, to uh, uh, come to the same conclusion, we'd like to hear that too. Is there absolute truth? But we had a second follow-up question, Jacob, and I think this is the one that probably ought to provoke the most interest with our listeners. The follow-up question was, is it possible for the truth about moral issues to change from one generation to the next. For example, women showing an ankle used to be considered wrong, but now even conservative Christians think it's okay. The same could be said for playing billiards or cards. How do you explain these changes, and is such change proper? That question was uh, uh, suggested to us by our our friend and regular listener, uh, Randy in Jackson, Missouri. I think it's a worthy question. And how would you answer that? What about that sort of thing? Well, let us know your thoughts. Again, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you're listening to us in the archive version of this program, we're live on January 10th tonight. But if you're listening in the archive version, maybe you want to comment on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Click on the leave an audio comment uh, button there, and you can leave us your comments over on that, and we can play your comments in the next edition of the Virtual Bible Study. But what do you think about this idea of absolute truth? Does the moral standard that we used to live by, does that change over time? Now, Dad, we made a pretty clear statement earlier. We were talking about the Episcopal Church and them uh, saying that homosexuality is wrong Period. That's a, that's an issue they're willing to take a stand on. Some of the, some of the the ones who are pulling out of the Episcopal denomination are taking a stand on that. They're issue. saying that homosexuality is wrong, regardless of where and when you may live, and we agree with them on that. So if we agree with them that homosexuality is wrong, regardless of where you are, when you're living, we would have to say that every moral standard that is established in the Word of God is absolute and does not change. Over time, every standard, every moral standard that is from God's word is absolute and does not change. That's right. If one does, if one moral standard is absolute, then they are all absolute. They stand or fall together. I think that's a necessary conclusion. All right. Well, let's take a break and we'll give you time then to comment. If that is the case, if homosexuality illustrates the fact that God's moral standards are absolute and do not change over time, what about Randy's question when he asked, how do we know which behaviors are okay to change over time and which ones are not? Is it possible for moral behavior to change from one generation to the next? Women showing ankles used to be a sin. Now it is accepted by those who claim to be following God. What about playing billiards or cards? People used to think that was sinful. Is that okay? Is that acceptable? We're waiting to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts during this break, and when we come back, we'll take it to the top of the hour with your questions or comments, questions at collegeview.com. Or 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. 
Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back. We're talking about virtual or absolute truth, not virtual. We're on the Virtual Bible Study, but we're talking about absolute Absolute. That's right. Um, We want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. We're talking about uh, morals now and whether or not the moral standards that were in place when we were growing up, if they have changed, is that acceptable? Is it acceptable for moral standards to change? Let us know your thoughts over email or over the phones. We've got an email from uh, Johnny in Leoma, Tennessee. Johnny, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. And he, he makes this statement. He says, things that God has told us from the Bible to be sin, that's a sin. It is absolute. For example, thou shalt not murder, commit adultery, steal, etc. These are absolutes. They will never change. Man, however, may make their own set of standards. These standards change from generation to generation. Man places rules and policies on others that the Bible does not require. Dress codes, for instance. Man sets this policy, whether to show ankles or a woman to only wear a dress. Some even go so far as to make rules of how long a woman's dress should be. Men in Jesus' day wore tunics. The Bible says to dress in modest apparel. I think that should be sufficient. We might comment about that. I want to keep reading here, but we might comment about that in just a minute. Mowing grass or doing work on Sundays, you know, uh, some people think that's wrong to do any work on Sunday uh, going on. I've even heard someone mention that a preacher should never wear short sleeves, beards. In biblical days, it was shameful not to have a beard. Beards were worn primarily until the Romans. Beards were not popular during George Washington's day. Beards were popular during the Civil War. Some churches would not have preachers unless he was bearded during this time. In the 60s, beards were associated with hippies. Today, I would guess that most preachers are not bearded. To have a beard is not sinful, but many frown on a man with a beard. Uh, it is God that gave man the beard. These are all men's commandments. They are not God's. Man will make their own commandments. He quotes from um, Mark 7, verse 8, For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things ye do. Matthew 5, 15, 9, But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. I think I would agree with a lot of what Johnny has said here. I appreciate him sending us this email, Jacob. Um I think that he mentions, I think he gives a couple of good examples. I think the beard thing. You know, you can't go anywhere in the Bible where it says that it's right or wrong for a man to wear a beard. There's no place in the scriptures that say a Christian wearing a beard would be wrong or a Christian must wear a beard or a preacher has to have a beard or not have a beard. That's a judgment call. As he points out, there there have been times in the past where maybe a beard was associated, like back in the 60s, you know, a, a bearded young man might have been considered to, to be in in uh, sympathy with the uh, anti-establishment movement of the hippies. Well, then maybe I'd make a judgment that I'm not going to wear a beard if that's, the, if that's the prevailing notion of the time. But that's not an absolute. The Bible states no such absolute on wearing a beard. The Bible does state an absolute, though, on not being a stumbling block to someone else. That's and if right. people have the opinion of you, if you have certain appearances that you are in error, you don't want to give that impression. And so, so you I'll should make a judgment, I'll make make a, a judgment on, uh, on that based on the absolute truth. That you should not be a, 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 have the appearance of evil to others. Exactly right. He, he uses, I think, got another good example here: mowing grass or doing work on Sunday. I, I remember when I was a boy, people felt this way a lot stronger than they do now. I think thoughts have really moderated on this, but a lot of people thought you should not do that. You should not be out in the yard mowing or doing work on Sunday. It, you know, a lot of people have taught for years that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. That's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. There's no place in the Bible that says it would be wrong to do that. Now, again, if if I was in danger of offending someone or placing a stumbling block in there, well, I might make a judgment not to do it. But that's not an absolute that's not an absolute truth because it's not in the Bible. The Bible never says that we in, in the New Testament era that we are forbidden to do any physical or manual work on Sunday. Now, I might make a judgment relative to that, depending on the the societal norms where I am. But And they may change some. I, that has changed. You know, when I was a boy, people just didn't mow their yard on Sunday. Now you see people doing it. So that has changed. But it, but the moral, there's, there's no moral absolute that has changed. Men's judgments have changed about it. But the moral absolutes are no different now than they were then. That's not. That's not taught in the Bible. All right. So let no. us know your thoughts again. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. What about uh, Johnny mentions dress codes? Well, again, there there are some judgments to be made about dress. 
Uh, and I think there are some relatives about dress. There are some relative things. And it would depend on where you live. For instance, if you were in the Mideast, women in the Mideast, they covered from head to toe. We've seen the pictures of those people, you know, the women, how they're expected to dress. If you were living in that place and you wanted to make an appropriate statement concerning the kind of person you were, then a woman would dress that way. To dress otherwise would make her look like an immoral woman in that culture. That's not because that God has an absolute standard that says a woman must be covered from head to toe, but it's because of the culture. So some things, some matters concerning dress are dictated by culture. But I, the one thing I would differ with Johnny's email about here is that I believe that there are some absolutes about clothing. It's not just something vague that says be modest. I think that we can draw some absolute lines. We've talked about that before. Probably as we head into the spring months of the year, we might want to do a whole program on modesty, Jacob. But I think there's some absolutes. There's certain parts of our body that we've got to keep covered. And God has established some I hope abs- Johnny would agree with that. I hope he would. I, and I believe God has established some absolute limits. And, and we won't get into uh, in-depth But I think what Johnny is saying is, is we've got we to gotta cover those things. We've got to be modest in our, our apparel. But there may be some room to move. There is room for based judgment. on our society. There is, there absolutely is, and that goes to the question that that uh, our friend Randy asked that initiated this this topic tonight. What about that that it, oh, it used to be wrong for a woman to show her ankle? Now even conservative Christians think it's okay for a woman to show her the lower part of her leg. I think the answer to that is it wasn't ever wrong for a woman to show her ankle. I don't believe it was. I don't believe that was ever a violation of God's absolute standard of nakedness and modesty. But there have been times and places where the cultural standard was more stringent than God's standard. And so in that case, I believe the scriptures teach us that we should comply with the cultural standard. If the cultural standard is more strict than God's standard, then you're not doing anything wrong by living by the cultural standard. Do so. I think the Bible would teach that principle, but but it's never been God's absolute standard that says it's wrong for a woman to show her ankle. You can prove that from the Bible. Do you agree with that? We have time to take your comments over the phone or over email. I think we have a passage in the New Testament, Dad, multiple passages, but uh, one uh, comes to mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, on the discussion of eating meat that had been offered to idols. Notice what Paul, how Paul concludes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12 but when you sin uh when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience you sin against christ wherefore if meat make my brother to offend i will eat no flesh while the world standeth lest i make my brother to offend at that time it was appropriate for some people to abstain from eating meat not because it was wrong by god's absolute standard but by uh, the the time that they lived, they had to accommodate those who had a weak conscience, and, and so they, and Paul that, said he would do so. He was willing to forego his liberty, restrict himself more so than God would restrict him in order to accommodate others. If Paul was alive today, he probably would go to the steakhouse with us on Friday night and have no problem with it. That has changed, but God's absolute standard has not. Right. And, that, and that's the idea that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 9 when he said, uh, uh, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul was willing to adapt himself to the cultural standard that did not violate God's absolute law. We got an email from Anthony here in, in Columbia who says, it's hard to answer this accurately and completely in one brief email, but uh, the reason these things change is because they are not based upon objective truth. I think Anthony's saying the same thing there that we were saying, Jacob. He says they're based on the prevailing cultural views of the time. These things change, but God's law does not. We must realize that some things in God's law are not specific. For example, dress. The New Testament does not tell Christians exactly what to wear or what not to wear. It simply teaches modesty. The definition of modesty changes with culture and even from individual to individual. I don't think anyone today would say that because bare ankles were considered scandalous or sinful a 100 years ago that we should still consider them so today. I think that is because, as he said, God's word never said that it was a sin for a woman to show her ankle. If it had then the women better not be flashing those ankles. Exactly right. But that's, that's something that, that would vary culturally. But the, st- the absolute standard of God can be established as to what is nakedness, and we can talk about modesty. And I think that would be a worthy topic, Jacob. Thank you, Anthony, for sending in uh, that email. We appreciate it. We got, we, I we're going to run out of time if we don't pick up a couple other emails here. We've got our good buddy Jack down in, in Atlanta has written in said during a class discussion someone brought up the fact that the world now looks down on smoking but at one time this was the norm 
I know that there were things that were wrong in our society at one time and were always wrong in God's eyes. We just can't we can't justify wrongdoing no matter what generation did it. I think Jack has brought up an interesting one. You know, now actually the standard on on use of tobacco is stronger culturally now than it used to be. Used to be lots of people smoked. Now I would say the majority of people who are trying to maintain religious uh, you know, a religious conscience don't smoke. A generation ago, there would be people who would consider themselves to have been religiously conscientious who didn't see any problem with smoking. So actually, this is the cultural factor on this question has gotten more stringent. I think God's standard has always been there. Here's a case where I believe we could have proved at any time that there was a moral absolute that said we shouldn't be using tobacco. We've talked about that before. We could talk about it again. But I think we could offer arguments that would have said Absolutely, it was wrong for a Christian to use tobacco. What's interesting here is that the cultural determinant on that has moved in the direction of the biblical absolute. So these things change. Well, what Jack's email highlights is that we can't go by the culture to make sure that we're right and wrong. We could be doing things that the culture says is okay, and we could be making sure that we are lining up exactly with that, but we could still be wrong from the absolute standard of God's word. So we need to go to God's absolute standard, his word, and determine what we should be doing, and then also look at the culture and make sure that we're accommodating to those in the culture that we live in to make sure that we're not causing a stumbling block for those people. Uh, we got an email from Indiana that says, a big problem that we face today with tolerance is in the workplace. Laws have been passed that makes it wrong to express your beliefs, morals, and work standards. Everyone is right in what they believe and practice. This is simply a way of avoiding making a stand on what is truth. We have to live in the world, but the world is making it harder for us to live in it. It seems that most people want their ears tickled so they do not have to make a choice as to what is right or wrong and can change when the wind blows in another direction. Politics is a good example of what people will say to get someone to be on their side. Then they say the opposite to another. Absolute truth to a lot of people will hinder their lives so they decide not to stand for anything. I think this this email is exactly right. And again, it's 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 sort of the easy way out. People don't want to have to take a stand for anything and they don't want to be obligated to live by any absolutes. And so the idea of no absolutes is a is a, a, a an easier thing in their estimation. So I think that email is correct. We appreciate that email from Indiana tonight. Well, we've had a good discussion about absolute truth, Dad. It's very clear that the Bible is uh, the absolute truth, the absolute truth from God, and that we need to be lining up with what it says, regardless of what others in our society are teaching. God's word is an absolute, and we need to be following it. Okay, we got one more email. I want to jump in here real quick on this question. Uh, he's, uh, this is from Jason in Pennsylvania. He says, the question I would have to ask was, was the prior generation following a truth or their own judgment? Just because a prior generation believes something doesn't make what they believe true. Not every customer tradition that someone has is an absolute truth unless it agrees with God's absolute truth on modesty and moral issues. Just because I have an opinion on a subject does not make it truth. I need to look at the word of God for truth. If the change violates an absolute truth, then the change is not proper. For instance, if the scriptures would teach that showing the ankle is immodest, it is not proper to change. We need to open the scriptures to see what the absolute truth is and not go beyond it or against it. If one generation believes that abortion is wrong, then the next believes that it's okay. The absolute truth of God's word has been violated. A change in belief on this issue would not be proper. Changes, additions, or subtractions we've seen in the organization work and worship of the local church over the past generations are not proper because they violate absolute truth. So I think Jason is agreeing with us. We've got to determine what the truth is. Cultural standards may change, either getting uh, more lax or more stringent. But we can only demand what the absolute truth of the Word of God teaches. All right. Well, thank you for the discussion tonight, Dad. I think it's been a good one. I think a worthy one. And we appreciate our friend Randy for suggesting that topic for the mm-hmm. Virtual Bible. So you can do the same thing, by the way. If you've got a topic you'd like us to study, let us let us know. And you can do it with your voice on our website. Now, remember that button. We'd like to hear your comments about the virtual Bible study in general, about anything that we've talked about on the virtual Bible study, maybe to suggest a topic for a future Bible study. Check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Click on the audio comment button and leave us your comments. There's a little new orange button on that page, and you can click on that. And we'd like to have you just get on there and tell us where you are and that you listen to the virtual Bible study so we can play your voice for others to hear 
in a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. So go to our website and check it out. Thank you, Dad, for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob, and thanks to all who've been listening and participating tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We hope to see you next Thursday night. hope you make it a regular Thursday night appointment. We plan to be here next Thursday night, Lord willing, to study God's absolute truth, His Word of God, and we want you to be here as well. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His absolute truth, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.